0: Thank you. Welcome to Share Truth Apply Scripture. I am Jordan Shambly, joined as always by the one and only Cedra Sarton. Is
1: that my name now, the one and only? Is that part of my name?
0: That is your correct prefix, is the (laughs) one and only Cedra Sarton. And with us today in studio, we are absolutely proud to have Mr. Tony Perkins with us. He is the president of the Family Research, Research Council and also the host of Washington Watch, which of course you can hear on AFR.
1: Yep, you can listen to that every day, mm-hmm. every weekday at 4 p.m. Central Time. Yeah. So tune in for that hour. I think that's a great time for your drive home from work.
2: It is. I'm I, <laughs> I'm happy to be in the car with people as they go home, and uh, happy to be with you, Jordan, and Cedra today. So awesome. good to uh, to be with you here at Afr.
0: Well, we are we are um, we are grateful for you to be with us. Um, and you're also uh, the reason you're here at a, uh, at AFA today. Uh, there is something coming up very soon, Cedra. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I, I don't have just tons of information yet, but it's something I want people to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. So if you just go to afaaction.net, you should be able to uh, eventually get that information. Just check it every day, and I think is a good rule.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Check it
1: every single day. Be mm-hmm. on the lookout. So that's um, just a good collaboration between. Uh, mm-hmm frc and afa Mm -hmm. and tony has come in today to hang out with us and i'm sure everybody is hearing him all day on the radio anyway so just be on the lookout for Mm -hmm. that
0: and um the reason we wanted to have you on with us tony there are so first of all engage magazine we're a a department of American family association that is focused on communicating um biblical theology to young christians Mm -hmm. and um We are living in a, I don't want to say necessarily unprecedented time because, of course, things have happened in the past. Um, But in times where I think not a lot of people know how to cope or uh, deal with certain issues very spiritually um, speaking. So you write very prolifically um, on your uh, website, the Family Research Council website, on many different cultural topics um, that are – concerning to all Christians. Um, one of the things that I saw recently that you've posted was a, uh, a case where the Supreme court actually weighed in on a church's ability to have open doors, um, for, for, for Christians to gather and, and worship together in spite of a local governmental authority's, um, stamp of disapproval, if you will. Um, is that something that we can look at and in the midst of all of the things that are going on in our culture, is that a glimmer of hope or optimism?
2: I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think in part, this is what happened from the previous administration with the judges that were appointed to the courts that simply are looking at the Constitution and these issues that are being raised about the First Amendment. So, I think from that standpoint, yes, it's encouraging that we have courts that are now honoring the Constitution and the First Amendment in particular. I also think it's important that as Americans and particularly as believers, that we understand we have something unique in this country. and. I also serve as the uh, was chairman last year, vice chair this year, of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a bipartisan commission, nine commissioners, mm. and, and we literally look at the issue of religious freedom around the world. I, I go to some of the, been to some of the worst places where persecution takes place, not just for Christians, but for for a lot of religious minorities, but Christians in particular. And, and I think we take for granted what we have in this country, Mm. and especially among younger Americans that really don't see the value in the First Amendment, the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech, the freedom to assemble. Mm. These are fundamental. Our founders made very clear, very specific guidelines or protections, a firewall, if you will, around those first, what we call our first freedoms. Mm. My concern is this, Jordan, and if... We don't take the necessary steps to protect these fundamental freedoms by exercising them, using them, uh, Mm. defending them. That we could end up like some of the folks in Sudan, Mm. um, other places in the Middle East, that it's not just a matter of not being able to meet, it's a matter of life and death. Right.
0: Absolutely. Um, There's a a trend that I'm beginning to see and you've probably seen for many years um, in our culture where the emphasis of individual liberty has been taken away and there's more of an emphasis on an individual's responsibility to everyone else in a culture. At least that's the way it's being framed. Um, So when a church decides to open the doors and they have I mean let's say that they're 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 you know being careful you know they're they're um you know spaced out and they're um being reasonable some would say um but they are not neglecting to gather together some would say that that is irresponsible that is putting pe- people's lives at risk and individual liberty is not worth that um how did we get to this point well Cedra, how did we get to this point?
1: <laughs> I'm just living it in, in, in the moment right now. Yeah, I
2: <laughs> yeah it was a process. Mm-hmm. But one, I think I'll have to i be very candid here. I'll probably step on a few toes, but mm-hmm. that's nothing new. Uh, I think part of it is our education system mm-hmm. in America that we have failed to teach our history and why these things are important, and those that are quite frankly anti-American. America mm-hmm. is, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. Maybe. Go ahead, absolutely. Uh, America is an exceptional nation. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we're losing that exceptionalism that we have, but part, in part, the reason we were exceptional exceptional is because of our Christian foundation, mm. because of the high priority we placed on the individual, making all lives valuable and worthy of protection under our laws, and, the, and what came from that. We mm. became a nation that literally blessed the world. Right. Why do people want to come to America? You don't see people trying to, to you know, get into Saudi Arabia. Mm. You don't see people trying to, you know, cross fences to get into Poland. Right. Um, they're coming to America. Mm. Even, even in our worst administrations. Right. You know, during the Barack Obama administration where we had onerous regulations, we had, you know, the economy wasn't all that great. People were still... Coming to this country, why? Because it is a land of hope and opportunity. Why? Because we have that Judeo-Christian overarching worldview. Now we're losing it. It's not the predominant worldview anymore, and there are those systematically trying to to deconstruct it. But the reality is that's what has made America the nation that it is. Right. And if we lose that, if we lose the understanding of the importance of that, and we're just like another house on the street, we're gonna we're gonna have the same. Results as any other house on the street. Wow,
0: and I think you can definitely point at. Uh, you mentioned a while, a little while ago, uh, religious liberty, um, and I think you can definitely point at that as that was the heart of the reason why our nation was at one point and still is um, a very unique and um, exceptional well nation. it was it was the origins mm-hmm. and, and,
2: and I'm glad you brought that up Jordan because I, I this is one of those pet peeves of mine <laughs> is you know Thanksgiving time we talk about the pilgrims they came to this country for the freedom of worship they wanted to be able to worship the way they uh, no no it was. The freedom of religion. They had the freedom to to worship when they were in Holland. They went from England to Holland, back to England, then came here. The reason is they wanted to build community around their faith. And so, and and this is something I was just reading. Actually, one of my daughters was telling me this now that the the whole Protestant work ethic is now considered to be racist. Um, Wow. Because what that was, the the Protestant work ethic, in a nutshell, was this. Everything you do, you do for the glory of God. And so that's what, in part, made America productive, Mm -hmm. is that we weren't working for ourselves. We were working to bring glory and honor to God. God prospered it. America became an economic engine for the world. Mm -hmm. And now we're trying to destroy that.
0: Right. That's incredible. Uh, the dismantling of just really what the, the heart and soul of our nation was. is mean, happening right before our eyes. And, um, I'm glad you mentioned the pilgrims because they were such an amazing example. So I was raised in a household where every, every Thanksgiving, my dad would pull out, um, t- uh, two books, Margaret Pumphrey's, uh, story of the pilgrims. Um, and, uh, the, 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 go- the governor of Plymouth it was Plymouth plantation a by yeah. william bradford and so we would read through those stories um around thanksgiving yeah. and so the story of these men and women who who came to who came to this country before it was a country and yeah they they created a a community based on you know the bible and based on those those principles and i think the it's so easy to point our finger at the secular culture and say, that's those are the people who took that away from us when really we should be pointing that at ourselves and the people in the pews. And, and, and over time, the church losing that connection with that heritage um, and, and, I mean, honestly, with the Bible and biblical teaching. And that's where the death of the soul of America happens is in the churches that are not doing their job and not – following the Lord, um, rather than an outside attack necessarily.
2: You're right. Uh, of course, I would take it one step back mm-hmm. to the home.
0: Oh, absolutely. And
2: I think you're you, what you just laid out there, you're an example of why you're sitting here behind a microphone is because your dad took mm-hmm. the time to teach you the history of our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past November, actually leading up to it, I read my youngest son, who's 13. We read through uh, Plymouth Plantation, right. and we went to uh, the first house, the spot, the first house was built in Plymouth Rock um, in November of this past year. In fact, our plan is to go as a family. in this next year, or this year, actually, this November will be the anniversary of the first Thanksgiving uh, that took place there. We were there for the the landing, which was 400 years ago. But your point is, your point is absolutely right. We need to be teaching these things in our home. Mm. We have surrendered our, our, our authority uh, and, and to to the culture. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing parents need to realize as parents, and I know we're talking to younger people, but mm-hmm. parents, if you're preparing to be a parent, you need to realize this, that God has given parents the authority and the responsibility to teach their children. Yeah. That's in Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, train up a child the way they should, they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, as a parent, you can delegate the authority. Now, you can do it to the if you're, you can do it to a public school, you can do it to a private school, you can delegate the authority. But you cannot delegate the responsibility. Mm-hmm. God is not going to hold that second-grade teacher accountable Absolutely. for how your child turned out. He's going to hold you yeah. accountable. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to realize the accountability that you have over the stewardship of your own family, mm-hmm. you're going to give an account for that. And if we all took that level of responsibility that God has given us that I see it as actually an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. But if we took it seriously and did it the way God wanted us to do it, we would solve, to your point, we would solve a large portion of the problems facing our country today.
0: Yeah. And I'm just thinking too, I mean, of course, over the past year and more, um our, our society has undergone many changes because of the, the pandemic and, and the, the government's handling of that. And a byproduct of that change has been schools close down and children go home to be with their parents, who mm-hmm. are also at home most, yeah. a, a majority of the time. And I, and I said this before on an on a, on a episode when this was beginning to happen. I was like, this is exciting to me. Okay, I, I'm a, I'm a homeschooled kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, that was just my life. <laughs> yeah. And – and um, Again, another yeah. reason
2: why you're sitting behind that microphone.
0: <laughs> um, but – and growing up now, I see definitely the benefits of the, that decision that my parents made. Um, and I'm not saying that if, if a parents have made a different decision that, that was wrong or anything. But for my parents, that was the right decision. But I'm excited because – um, now with children of my own, I see that opportunity, and I see the opportunity now that conservative and, and Christian families have. Now their children are learning lessons in the home, the the parents are listening, and have that direct contact that they didn't have before. Um, regardless of what we might might think about the public schools being shut down, whether or not they should be open again— we absolutely need to be taking advantage of this opportunity this is golden
2: you're absolutely right i've said that the silver lining to the coronavirus was what happened with education in Mm -hmm. fact when uh, former president trump began to beat the table saying open the schools (laughs) i said hey wait a minute wait (laughs) rethink this mr president perhaps not yet (laughs) because what's happening is parents Mm -hmm. for the first time were being exposed to what their children were actually being taught right. and they were shocked by it they were also growing frustrated with teacher unions that were more concerned about themselves than about the students and so parents were looking at alternatives homeschooling grew by about 50% That's uh, that year uh, many have chosen uh, private schools that fought to be open. Is the the the, para- the the contrast between the two is is so stark? Mm. Here you have you know the teacher unions, like in Chicago, uh, refusing to 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 to, uh, to go back to class. You have private schools uh, in several states suing the governors. Uh, wanting to go back and hold classes mm-hmm. while the, other, I mean, it's polar opposite, but it shows you the power of the free market. Uh, <laughs> yep. When when you actually have to work mm-hmm. to make money, mm-hmm. you have to provide a service to get income, you're motivated. Mm-hmm. Well, you have these public government schools that they don't have to do a thing and the tax dollars are still flowing to them. That's incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you've got, uh, and I just noticed a trend in Underpaid teachers who are who are stretched thin amongst a class of twenty five or more kids, and then you have kids who are not getting one on one instruction that I think is very important. They're hearing things they don't know how to process. They don't know who to talk to because all the adults in their life are too busy.
2: Yeah, um, I my former when I was back in uh, an office uh, when I left office, my legislative assistant went. Back to school, got her teaching certificate, and began to teach, and she taught for about five years. In, in a very affluent area, she taught second grade, and she said, I, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. She she because the kids, and this again, this was an affluent area, we're not talking about inner city, but they were coming ill prepared, mm-hmm. uh, the home situations were horrible, mm-hmm. and so she spent more of her time trying to counsel these you know, second graders as opposed to teaching them and overseeing their education. And Mm. so really, in many cases, we have teachers that are being tasked with almost impossible jobs. Um, But I will not let the teacher Mm. unions off the hook. I know the (laughs) the individual teachers, Mm. you know, I know a lot of them and they many of them have are in there for the right reason. They care about the kids. The administrations, in many cases, do not back them up. But the teacher unions Mm -hmm. are absolutely horrible uh, in in almost every case. They are advocating for more power and for the leftist agenda in this country and could care less about the individual teachers that
0: are in the classrooms. Wow. And your point, um, many of these children, like you said, they have horrible Home lives, yeah, um, and so we. I mean, our heart would be like, you know, our our first instinct would be, well, okay, we need to reopen the schools so that you know, right. They're they're in a safe place and they're getting uh, the attention that they need. That's not always the case. No. I, I, I mean, I'm I, I know a few teachers, and I and um, the the stories that I hear are just they try. You can try as a teacher to be that influence, and, and many are, but you're not with them. You're with them for maybe a few hours and
2: well I one thing I do say and I should say it here as well that I encourage believers followers of Jesus Christ to 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 seek the Lord and where he leads you to serve and I do believe that God calls us to different professions different occupations Mm -hmm. vocations and I pray that God would continue to bring teachers Christian men and women into the classrooms of America now I'll be very candid. I do not believe that if you it, it, the vast majority of public schools in this country are teaching um, really a godless worldview, a humanist worldview, and so I do not believe as parents we should be sending our children into these environments. Now you may be in a good school district and you know what's going on. Okay, that's that's fine, but I don't believe we should send our children in. Mm. But I do believe we should go in. Right. as teachers right. to be a source of light in a very very dark place.
0: Yes. It, Christian there needs to be a Christian in every station of our society. Absolutely. Um, and I mean that goes back to the point about religious liberty. We need the ability to be Christian that in is those spot offices. On. Absolutely. And and we we can talk about the problems with the the school st- systems and everything. That's just symptoms. That's symptomatic. Yeah. Um, because again the heart issue is for so long the, um, the church in America has been laxadaisical, has been okay with kind of taking a hands-off approach with the culture, um, you know bowing the head and and not and, and maybe taking a, an attitude of bunkering down because times are going to get hard rather than understanding that the Bible speaks of the church as a victorious army that's marching behind a victorious captain who is Jesus Christ. Um, and that is really the attitude that is, has been missing from American culture, American church for, for a long time.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it comes in very subtle mm-hmm. um, initially. And there's this idea in Christianity, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, I don't like conflict. People say, why are you doing what you do? Uh, <laughs> probably because I don't like conflict. That's right. why the Lord has led me to this place. Oh. <laughs> um and so, you know, by and large as Christians, we're kind of actually conditioned to think that, you know, we're supposed to all get along and there's not supposed to be any conflict. And if you get conflict, it's bad, and mm-hmm. therefore you're not doing the right thing. Right. And so we avoid conflict. I mean, I avoid conflict. But there are certain things that we just have to have conflict over. Right. And when it comes to truth, when it comes to the eternal destiny Mm-hmm. of men, women, and children, we have to be willing to have conflict. Mm-hmm. And so I think for too long, the church is just kind of backed up Christians. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word church because people kind of right. escape that. You're talking about that building down the street. No, I'm talking about you. Right. I'm talking about you as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said this. He said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself daily, mm-hmm. take up your cross, and follow me. Mm-hmm. And you think about that. You know, we think of a cross. Okay, that's, a, that's an instrument of death. Yeah deny yourself, deny what you want, deny your, your aspirations, your dreams, deny yourself, be willing to die, take up the instrument of death on your back and then follow me. Wow. And that's that is a pretty profound call. Yeah. And so Jesus didn't candy coat what it meant to follow him. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that in large part that's been a challenge in the church is that we've candy coated the gospel? Right. Jesus said, "Come and die." Mm-hmm. We said, "Come and let's have a picnic."
0: Yeah. I mean, how how can you die in a in um in a culture that's just coddling you? You know, yeah. how how can you die? Well, that's the battle plan, yeah. isn't it? Um, I, th-
1: I think of each year we have a, a thing that we do called the Orange Letter Campaign, mm-hmm. where we allow the Afr listeners to write letters, and we send them to Christians all over the world. In the past couple of years, our emphasis have been on missionaries. In you know, th- you know, over three hundred missionaries that we send letters to, but we've sent letters to Syria, to North Korea, um, to Nigeria, and I, you know you think you look at those Christians, and they are. It, 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 you know, they are being killed mm-hmm. for their belief, for speaking out. And in here, we are able to record a radio program fairly safely. I mean, you know, we, we're not sitting here in fear that someone's going to come busting in any moment. And so that it just, that's the stark difference yeah. Mm-hmm. here.
2: Yeah, we, you know, we're seeing early signs of persecution in this country, mm-hmm. you know, but. As you point out, and I've I've been with many of these people in these uh, different parts of the world who have lost loved ones, who have been imprisoned, uh, who have faced death because they named the name of Jesus Christ. And here, we're fearful of having a negative post on our social media page. You know, Christians yeah. just need to toughen up and realize mm-hmm. that Jesus said over in John chapter 15 and 16, he said, look, the world hated me. They're going to hate you too. Yeah. And, and, and so don't be disturbed by that. I mean, Jesus told us not to be surprised mm-hmm. when this happens. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to—and re- this, this goes back to a bigger problem, Jordan, is that Christians aren't in the Bible, the Word of God, like they should. If yeah. we spent more time in the Word of God, reading systematically through God's Word, not jumping around, you know, or thumbing through the pages, but just have a systematic reading plan, like we do at FRC, we've got a mm-hmm. two-year journey through the Bible called yeah. Stand on the Word. You can find it frc.org/slash/Bible. takes fifteen minutes a day, mm-hmm. but then you can put everything that's happening in the world around us in context, right? And you're less anxious because God said this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And this is
0: the end of the story, too. Yeah. I mean— uh, And it ends good. It ends great. <laughs> for those who know yeah. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Um, now, we tend to think of uh, the culture war and and um, how to have a cultural impact in the short term. Like, what can I do today? Um, and how can I affect change today? Maybe when you start thinking long term, how would we do that? How do Christians need to start digging in for the long-term battle? that's a, a very good question i think
2: we have to have it in eternal perspective we need to see things in light of eternity because some things i mean i would, I'm just we're reading right now in jeremiah uh, in our two year bible reading plan in jeremiah we just in fact just read where uh, he uh, tells god tells him to write this all down and it's about the, the deliverance that's going to come to the captives after 70 years of being in Babylon wow. and that God is going to be faithful. I loved you with an everlasting love. Mm-hmm. And, and so being in the midst of captivity for seven years, it didn't look too good. Mm-hmm. But with, a, with an understanding that the hope of God's ultimate deliverance, maybe it wasn't going to be for you, but maybe it would be for your children mm-hmm. that you prepare and so maybe we won't see the change that we want tomorrow or maybe we will. But going back to the pilgrims, in the book that William Bradford wrote, it was four reasons he said that they came to this country. One is they were concerned about the security and safety of their children, mm. not the physical safety because they brought them to a wild country. <laughs> right. They were concerned mm. about their souls. Mm. Yeah. But the last one he said is they wanted to – they wanted to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if they would be but mere stepping stones to those that would take the gospel. Mm -hmm. And they were looking to future generations. And we need that's a part of that eternal perspective is looking not at ourselves and today and our own 401K, but it's looking at future generations and what foundation we're laying for them. Mm -hmm. And when we have that eternal perspective that we're a part of something much bigger then we can make those temporary sacrifices. We can sustain ourselves through those moments of difficulty knowing that the story goes on.
0: Amen. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today, uh, Tony Perkins. Um, We'll put the link to that uh, Bible reading plan in the show notes of this episode. Cedra, don't let me forget to do that. I got you. All right. And uh, until next time, guys, continue to share truth and apply scripture we